Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a great show lined up for you today, including special guest William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Nathan Lewis is the co-author of Inflation, uh, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. He co-authored it with Steve Forbes and Elizabeth Ames. He's going to be on the show. We'll also visit with Ambassador Francis Rooney. He's formerly our U.S. congressman here in District 19. He's written a column about uh, if Putin wants a Cold War, the world should give it to him. We'll find out about that, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in, uh, at, uh, in space architecture, and also author of several books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pi- uh, Pioneering the Space Frontier. It's a book that he co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. It is April the 22nd, and on this day in 1889, at precisely high noon, thousands of would-be settlers made a mad dash into the newly opened Oklahoma Territory to uh, stake out land. The nearly 2 million acres of land opened up to white settlement was located in Indian Territory, a large area that once encompassed much of modern-day Oklahoma. Initially considered unsuitable uh, for uh, development, Indian Territory was thought to be an ideal place to relocate Indian Americans, Native Americans, who were removed from their traditional lands to make way for the uh, settlement. The relocations began in 1817, and by 1880s, Indian Territory was a new home to a variety of tribes, including the Chickasaw, Choctaw, Cherokee, Cheek, uh, Creek, uh, Cheyenne, Comanche, and Apache. By the 1890s, improved agricultural and ranching techniques led some uh, Americans to realize that the Indian Territory could be valuable, and they pressured the U.S. government to allow white settlement in the region. By 1889, President Benjamin Harrison agreed, making the first of a long series of authorizations that eventually removed most of Indian territory from Indian control. To begin the process of white settlement, Harrison chose to open up 1.9 million acre section of Indian territory that the government had never assigned to any specific tribe. However, subsequent openings of the sections that were designated to specific tribes were achieved primarily through the Dawes Severalty Act which allowed uh, whites to, uh, to settle large swaths of land that had previously been designated to specific Indian tribes. On March the 3rd, 1889, Harrison announced the government would open the 1.9 million acre tract of Indian territory for settlement precisely at noon on April the 22nd. Anyone could join the race for the land, but no one was supposed to jump the gun. With only seven uh, weeks to prepare, land-hungry Americans quickly began to gather around the borders of the regular territory of Uh, Oklahoma, what is now Oklahoma, referred to as boomers. By the appointed day, more than 50,000 hopefuls were living in 10 cities on all four sides of the territory. The events of the day at Fort Reno on the western border were typical. At 11.50 a.m., soldiers called for everyone to form a line. When the hands of the clock reached noon, the cannon of the fort boomed, and soldiers signaled the settlers to start. With a crack of hundreds of whips, thousands of boomers streamed into the territory in wagons, horseback, and on foot. All told, from 50 to 60,000 settlers entered the territory uh, that day. By nightfall, they had staked thousands of claims either on town lots or quarter sections farm plots. Towns like Norman, Oklahoma City, Kingfisher, and Guthrie Spring sprang into uh, uh, being almost overnight. An extraordinary display of American settler lust for land. The first Oklahoma land rush was also plagued by greed and fraud, of course. Cases involving spooner or sooners, people who had entered the territory before the legal date and time, overloaded the courts for many years to come. The government attempted to operate subsequent runs with more controls, eventually adopting a lottery system to designate claims. By 1905, white Americans owned most of the land in the Indian Territory. Two years later, the area once known as Indian Territory entered the Union as part of the new state of Oklahoma. Not our proudest moment. I'm not sure we treated Native Americans uh, fairly at that time. Certainly we didn't. 
Sounds like something Biden might have decided to do. <clears throat> in any event, all that happened on this day in 1889. Well, the Florida House of Representatives passed a bill on Thursday that would dissolve Walt Disney's world's special governing power in the state. The move could uh, have huge tax, tax implications for Disney, whose series of theme parks have transformed Orlando into one of the world's most popular tourist destinations and serves to further sour the relationship between the Republican-led government and a major political player in the state. Democratic lawmakers could be heard shouting in the background as they attempted to protest the bill as it was being passed. The bill will now head to the desk of Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who's been involved in a war of words with the company after it publicly opposed a bill he signed which prohibits classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity with children in the third grade or younger or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. The passage of the Florida House comes the day after the Florida Senate passed the measure at 23 to 16. Uh, the Disney special status was granted by the state over 50 years ago. The special status, known as the Reedy Creek Improvement Act, was signed into law on May 1967 by Governor Claude Kirk in response to lobbying efforts by Disney. The entertainment giant proposed building a recreation-oriented development on 25,000 acres of property in a remote area of central Florida's Orange and Osceola counties which consisted of 38.5 square miles of largely uninhabited pasture and swampland. Orange and Osceola County did not have the services or resources needed to bring the project to life, so the state legislature worked with Disney to establish the Reedy Creek Improvement District, a special taxing district that allows the company to act with the same authority and responsibility as a county government. What I would say as a matter of first principle is I don't support special privilege in law just because a company is powerful and they've been able to wield a lot of power, DeSantis said during a press conference. I think what, we have, what has happened is there's a lot of these special privileges that are not justifiable, but because Disney has held so much sway, they were able to sustain a lot of special treatment over the years, said DeSantis. Disney released a statement shortly after DeSantis signed the parental rights bill vowing to help fight the law in court. Here's a quote, Florida's HB 1557, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill, should never have been passed and should never have been signed into law, Disney said. Our goal as a company is to, for that, this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down in the courts, and we will remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. We are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of LGBTQ2X plus members of Disney family as well as the LGBTQ plus community in Florida across the country. DeSantis has pushed back against the uh, company multiple times and pledged to oppose the quote-unquote wokeness he says the company is promoting. Look, there's uh, policy disputes, and that's fine, DeSantis said earlier in the month, but when you're trying to impose a woke ideology on our state, we view that as a significant threat, he said. The wokeness will destroy this country if we let it uh, run it unabated, DeSantis said. So in Florida, we take a very big stand against that. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. Just, uh, again, another great decision. Just appreciate his leadership on these issues. And can you imagine how quickly this has happened? I wonder how uh, Disney is going to respond to this. By the way, Pre President Joe Biden criticized Republicans for trying to punish Disney after the company attacked Florida's parental rights uh, bill signed by Governor DeSantis. The president spoke out against the bill during a fundraiser hosted in Seattle by Brad Smith, the president and vice chair of Microsoft. There's nothing conservative about throwing Disney out of its current posture over saying gay, Biden said, referring to the Republican-led effort to strip Disney's special tax status on Thursday. Of course, the president doesn't uh, actually understand what the bill says, obviously, uh, nor did he understand uh, Title 42, he said that, which is currently the J Department of Justice is challenging it. He's, he is so confused. President Donald Trump congratulated CNN on their failing streaming platform in a statement released yesterday. Congratulations to CNN Plus on their decision to immediately fold for a lack of ratings or viewers in any way, shape, or form. It was like an empty desert out there, and despite spending hundreds of millions of dollars in the hiring of low-rated Chris Wallace, a man who's tried so hard to be his father, Mike 
uh, but lacked the uh, talent and whatever else is necessary to be a star, he wrote, referring to Mike Wallace, an original correspondent of 60 Minutes. In any event, it just is one more piece of CNN and fake news that we don't have to bother with anymore, said the president. CNN Plus was launched just 21 days ago with the network, initially planning to invest around a billion bucks in a streaming service over the next four years, but as previously reported, that total was expected to be cut by hundreds of millions of dollars following the low subscriptions. It now appears as though the project will be stopped completely. An email reported uh, sent from uh, CNN reads, Today, Warner Brothers Discovery and CNN are announcing that we have decided to cease operations at CNN Plus, effective April 30th. I want to share my perspective with you before the news breaks. The decision is in line with uh, WBD's broader direct-to-consumer strategy. It's a complex streaming market. Consumers want simplicity and all-in service, what provides a better experience and more value than standing alone offerings. Let me be clear, this move is in no way a reflection on the talented and hardworking people who poured their heart and soul into the building and flawlessly launched CNN Plus in a very short period of time. So congratulations to them, them of course, and they're walking off. I wonder if they're going to end up getting paid. And how about Chris Wallace? How about him? What's going to happen with him? Not a very good decision on his part to uh, leave Fox News. Hopefully, uh, they won't welcome him back. Elon Musk has uh, secured a funding commitment of $46.5 billion to buy Twitter, and it's planning to start a tender offer for its shares, a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission showed on Thursday. Last week, uh, Musk announced an offer to buy the social media company for $54.20 a share, or about $43 billion. At the time, he did not say how he would finance the acquisition. The Tesla CEO said Thursday in documents filed with the U.S. securities regulators that he is exploring what is known as a tender offer to buy all of the social media platform's common stock for $54.20 per share in cash. Under the tender offer, Musk, who owns about 9% of Twitter shares, would take his offer directly to other shareholders, bypassing the board. But Musk hasn't decided yet whether to do it. He's kind of keeping his hand close to the vest. The document filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission says San Francisco-based Twitter has not responded to Musk's proposal. Twitter said in a statement Thursday that it has received Musk's updated proposal and its new information on potential financing. The company said its board is committed to conducting a careful, comprehensive, and deliberate review to determine the course of action that it believes is in the best interest of the company and the Twitter shock stockholders. It'd be a tough decision to say we're not going to give you this premium that he's offering to stockholders. Uh, tough position for them to take. I'm sure it's going to lead to lawsuits. In any event, yeah, to me, it's just great to see how this is all playing out. And uh, I really thank uh, Elon Musk for standing up for free speech. I think it's great to see uh, the richest man in the world make that a priority. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Nathan Lewis, co-author of Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Right now we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. I hope you check it out. So, William, I want to start off by asking you about the uh, Judge Mizell, Florida judge appointed by uh, President uh, Trump, I guess in uh, 2020, and uh, she's now overturned the mask mandate in public transportation. I will get your thoughts. Well, indeed. So that happened on Monday, um, as your listeners are no doubt aware, and um, as reported, it was announced uh, mid-flight in flights across the nation, uh, actually to much cheering. Yeah. Um, the Biden's response to this has been uh, muddled, to say the least. Um, so in the immediate aftermath, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki called the decision disappointing. Um, but then the next day in New Hampshire, um, Biden told people, quote, it's up to you um, as to whether or not you want to wear a mask. Um, and this sort of muddled message has also been reflected in their legal response. Um, so on the one hand, the administration yesterday uh, decided that to appeal Judge Mizell's decision. On the other hand, it's not going to seek what's known as an emergency stay of her order. And, and all that means is a pause in, in, before it takes effect while the, the wheels of justice um, you know, perform their slow grind. So by not doing that, they keep the mandate in place. And, and again, uh, uh, the wheels of justice are slow. So we're not going to get resolution or, or an answer from a, a circuit court um, for a year or so. Um, so we've got, you know, he's allowing it to remain in place, which, again, I think is great. Um, at the same time, they're appealing the underlying order, which I guess doesn't really make any sense in the context. Um, and this would, I assume, reflects the, uh, the sort of the evident muddled message that we've already seen. You know, um, and to that end, the politics of the matter uh, are that airlines have been leaning on the administration for a while to get rid of this thing, mm-hmm. um, whereas the kind of nanny state-minded progressive base of the Democrat Party have been very much pushing for it. So I guess he's torn between those forces, and that's evident in both his statements and in his administration's legal strategy. And I can't help but point out the uh, uh, inconsistency in, in terms of the policy of the, this administration with Title 42 and on the border and uh, getting rid of that, and in the meantime, wanting to perhaps maintain mask mandates for citizens in the United States. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, very, it's just unbelievable, quite frankly. Unbelievable. I will note on that score, and this was reported widely this morning, um, uh, apart from the substance of the policy, there was an embarrassing gaffe by the president yesterday uh, in a press conference. He, he conflated these two issues. And 
Um, perhaps this is why his handlers or you know control his his um, what he says to the media so so tightly, just because it was a, a rather glaring instance of the president seemingly not knowing. Um, the policies at hand. That's so true. I want to move to what's happening with the infrastructure uh, project. Uh, we've uh, n- now understand that the, some of that stuff, the 10% of the $1.6 trillion that's actually going to infrastructure, there's some new regulations. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you bet. So uh, the, the Trump administration, I'll start there. This is um, I don't agree with everything Trump did, but this is something that, that he did that was great and very much to his credit. So he, his administration rolled back this needless red tape known as a NEPA, a National Environmental um, uh, a Policy Act. So NEPA, they're known in, in, inside the Beltway as NEPA standards. Um, it, it, these muck up infrastructure projects of all sizes and have been sort of the bane of of, of uh, logistical efficiency uh, for a long, long time. Right. But the long and short of it is that Trump uh, you know, made sense of these regulations, made them sort of work um, to facilitate infrastructure projects. This week, the Biden administration brought them back in force. Um, and this is uh, just a, a terrible news. As uh, uh, Again, these regulations do all sorts of harm um, to the infrastructure and logistics of this country, but it's acutely terrible and nonsensical in the Biden context just because at present, uh, their political, what they're hanging their hat on in terms of uh, trying to uh, incur public favor is this $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that we spoke about at late last fall. Mm-hmm. And these regulations are antithetical towards getting that $1.2 trillion of infrastructure spending spent. Mm. Um, so it's sort of, a, as with that first issue, the mask, mask mandate, We've got the administration talking out of both sides of its mouth, which seems to be an unfortunate hallmark um, of the Biden folks. Absolutely. Before I let you go, William, uh, any update on the uh, Durham probe? Yeah, big news. So uh, quickly, Durham is going after uh, a GPS fusion um, who was hired by Perkins Co. Uh, That's the law firm for, for whom Michael Sussman worked. Um, and it ultimately, uh, they, that law firm had been hired by the Clinton campaign in 2016. The long and short of it is that uh, Durham wants to know, uh, you know, they're searching for uh, the sort of uh, a vast left-wing conspiracy, if you will, to borrow an old Clinton term. And he's uncovered a great deal of evidence to that effect. The smoking gun, evidently, uh, could lie in terms of these communications between Fusion GPS, you know, the... the famous progenitor of the, uh, uh, the, the dossier. Yeah. Um, the long and short of it is we know uh, uh, these documents must be uh, incendiary because this week there was a, a flood of legal documentation from Perkins Co. and the Clinton campaign, uh, Clinton campaign asserting attorney-client privilege over these documents, mm. um, which seems to fly in the face of common sense and reason. I mean, everyone knows that Fusion GPS was hired for opposition research. Um, so uh, that is to say, where there's smoke, there's fire. And the legal documents, the, the, the motions and briefs that were filed this week by the team Clinton um, strongly suggest that um, there's something there. I mean, they object to the judge even reviewing these documents in private so that he can uh, make an informed decision on his own behalf, which mm. is how this possibly, process normally proceeds without objection from either party. So yeah. this sort of uh, unusual flurry of legal documentation suggests where there's smoke, there's fire, and uh, to be sure, stay tuned. William, really appreciate this update. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. I hope you check out the very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. William, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Nathan Lewis. He is the co-author of Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? 
After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Get tickets now by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Ambassador Francis Rooney. Right now we have with us Nathan Lewis. He is the co-author of Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Nathan. So uh, you wrote this book along with Steve Forbes and Elizabeth Ames. Uh, Maybe you can tell us why you wrote it. Well, when we were thinking about this last year, we knew that central banks had got real busy uh, during COVID, during 2020, and created basically a lot of money out of thin air. And uh, government spent an enormous amount of money. So government had a deficit of over 15% of GDP, which is unprecedented in peacetime. And um, we think the dollar lost quite a lot of value as a consequence of all that. Uh, plus, we saw all the supply chain issues that were already developing at that time. We said, you know, we need to uh, get out in front of this and either prevent this from getting out of hand or possibly, if it does get out of hand, um, to explain what the solutions are. Because in the United States, we have a pretty bad history of, of, of controlling and, and dealing with inflation. You know, and, uh, you know, of course, in economics, you learn about demand uh, pull and uh, cost push inflation and so forth. But it seems that perhaps the, the, the definition of inflation has morphed over time. So what exactly is inflation? That is a good question. And a lot of, the, a lot of confusion arises actually from this linguistic term. Uh, the term inflation, the word inflation, kind of arises from popular speech. And it doesn't really, it's applied to all a wide variety of situations. And then in the book, we really wanted to, uh, you know, begin and set up an analytical framework where we say, yeah, prices can rise for supply-demand issues. And I think we all kind of understand these. Uh, these can be sort of shortages, shortage-type situations, which we're experiencing now. These are real. Um, and they can even actually be just strong growth. Uh, sometimes economy is doing really well and wages go up and asset prices go up. Uh, even that can be called inflation. And then there's a whole other class of effects, which is really the central bank. It doesn't really have anything to do with supply and demand. And there was enormous confusion about this in the 1970s. Uh, and it's really easy to understand. It's just the value of your currency going down. Uh, we have a floating fiat currency. It goes up and down. Uh, if we look at other people's currencies, we can see that they go up and down, too, and sometimes they go down a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, example in the book, the Mexican peso used to be at 3 to the dollar. Now it's at 20 to the dollar. Well, guess what happened to prices in Mexico? Mm-hmm. More than six times, um, and that's what happened to us uh, a number of times in, in the last fifty years. But again, 
in the, around the 2020 period. And we're seeing that flush through. So once the currency declines in value, then over a period of time, over months and years afterwards, prices gradually adjust higher. It takes more money to buy things. So uh, how does government spending, what, what kind of impact is that having on inflation? The spending itself, um, well, it's come down quite a lot since uh, uh, 2020. Um, at that time, it, uh, it kind of filled the hole, so to speak, uh, surprisingly effectively. And so we didn't have as much of a recession as we might have. But the real uh, problem that we saw uh, in this process is that, unlike in the past where governments you know, sold bonds to finance their deficit spending, um, they, this time they sold the bonds essentially to the Federal Reserve. So uh, basically a lot of that spending was financed with the printing press. Mm-hmm. It just kind of made – no one had to save and invest. They just kind of created the money out of nowhere. And they sort of got away with it for, for reasons which are kind of technical. But we think that they really reached the end of the line as far as this goes. And if they try that anymore, and it's incredibly addictive to politicians in the political system, but if they try that anymore, we think that the inflation uh, trend could accelerate and actually become quite severe. So let me ask maybe an obvious question, but why is inflation bad? Uh, good good question. Um, first of all, sometimes inflation is not bad. As I said, sometimes just plain old economic growth is mistakenly or labeled inflation, and people run around trying to make the economy worse. Uh, this actually happened a number of times mm-hmm. over the years in the U.S. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind, but the thing to focus on here is just think about your currency losing value. Our, my estimate is that since we ended the gold standard in 1971, our currency today is only worth about a 50th of what it was worth in the 60s. We have a two-cent dollar. Wow. And that's you know happened over time gradually. It's not a continuous process, but intermittently. Of course, we had a big event in the 70s, and but also a number of times since then. The value of the currency goes down. And, and if you just think about that, what happens when that – when that happens, well, obviously, the value of your paycheck goes down because it's paid in dollars. The value of your assets probably goes down because, you know, whether it's fixed income assets like bonds or, or stocks, the, the, the dollar in which it is denominated or, or measured or valued has gone down. And if you just look around the world, all the countries with the, with the worst currencies, the currencies that have a tendency to, to decline, like Turkey, like Argentina, have the worst economic outcomes. Yeah. And... United States has actually been better than most all the other countries, but nevertheless, our the value of the dollar has fallen quite a lot over the years, and that has produced economic difficulties. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what can we do to uh, solve the problem right now? I mean, we have uh, con- spending that's out of control. I just hear about the the president deciding to spend billions and billions of dollars on different t- types of projects, dollars that don't quite frankly exist. We're thirty trillion dollars in debt. What are some of the solutions, or are there solutions to the problem? Today, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, as long as, you know, like, like I said, the federal government's kind of got into this spending doesn't matter, deficits don't matter, have it because they've been able to get the central bank, the Federal Reserve, to finance a lot of it. Um, and that will probably have to change. It's hard to imagine how it will change. It might have to be a, a difficult process. But in terms of, of what we have right now, we have a combination of two things. We have these supply demand issues, that they're real. Um, there really are factory shutdowns. There really are shipping issues. There really are blocked up ports uh, and driving up prices. And I actually think that probably more than half of measured price increases hmm. is due to the supply demand issues. And the solution there is, is you have to fix that, right? I, Usually these are resolved pretty quickly. Nothing the central bank does can resolve shipping hangups in Shanghai, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Although, and then on the other side, uh, the central bank, if, if inflation is caused by the monetary type of inflation, is caused by a decline in currency value, which then flows through in prices afterwards. Well, just don't do that, right? Keep the currency stable in value. In the United States, this was accomplished with the gold standard system, which we used for almost 180, over 180 years up until 1971. And, and as long as we stuck to that principle, we never had an inflation problem. Right. And going forward, too, you know, there's all this talk now. Oh, we, I mean, Jay Powell was actually on the podium yesterday saying, oh, you know, 
we need more unemployment to fix the inflation. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, all you got to do is keep the currency stable in value, and you won't have an inflation problem. That's the solution, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get that. Uh, most likely, we're going... Uh, my guess is that going forward, this is actually going to get worse, not better. Yeah, uh, probably not an appetite to go back to the gold standard either, is there? Maybe eventually, if things get bad enough. <laughs> From your lips to God's ear. Again, uh, Nathan Lewis, co-author, along with Steve Forbes and Elizabeth Ames. The name of the book is Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Nathan, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with an old friend. Uh, his name is, of course, uh, Francis Rooney. He's been the ambassador to the Holy See. He's also been our U.S. congressman. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now we have with us Ambassador Francis Rooney. He is uh, formerly the ambassador to the Holy See. That was from uh, 2005 to 2008. He also served as our United States congressman here in District 19 uh, between 2017 and 2021. Ambassador, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. So uh, you wrote this so interesting piece about uh, the Ukraine and Russia. It's basically, the, the title of the, of the uh, piece is, If Putin Wants a Cold War, the World Should Give Him One. <laughs> Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, I think that that has roots in the old 1948 Truman Doctrine of Containment, which is, uh, was created by a guy named George Kennan, who was working in the um, U.S. Embassy in Moscow. And basically what they said is if, if we don't want to try to take them out militarily, which because of nukes we weren't, we have to take them out economically. And we just boycotted, uh, blockaded Russia, the Soviet Union and the Soviet bloc, and they had to turn inward and live off of a dwindling economy. They didn't live well. Uh, they were poor. No, no one in the world traded with them except a little bit uh, within their own bloc or China. And I think we should do that again. We don't need them. 
and they're wreaking major league ha- havoc in the world right now, not just the Ukraine. They've been doing a lot of other bad things for a long time. And uh, we just thought to say, okay, you go your way, we'll go ours. So interesting. So, I mean, uh, right now we have sanctions in place, uh, but apparently uh, that's not enough. What, what would you do in addition to the sanctions that we have currently? Well, we do have some. We, we could do more. They keep finding more oligarchs to, to seize, arrest ships and things like that. And we do have the swift transfer there. But the problem with the sanctions is the rest of the world uh, is, is reluctant to go as far as we will. Some of the Western countries are going pretty far, but you, you look at all the countries that either voted no or abstained or didn't vote on the Russia-UN resolution at the Human Rights Commission. I mean, it's sad. And, and so maybe if we just take a real strong role ourselves, then uh, other people will follow. I don't know. Yeah. I think that um, we should use every diplomatic uh, weapon we have to try to get the Western Europe to, to take a tougher stance. Yeah, there are some, quote-unquote, friends of Putin, however. I mean, to think, for example, China, Iran, India, and so, so forth. Uh, how strong is that block, and how important is it in terms of keeping uh, the uh, Russia uh, afloat? Well, the, the China can certainly keep them afloat if they want. You know, and, and the, between Iran and China and Russia, you've got a, an oil market that, I don't know if it's enough to satisfy Russia's economic needs, but it's certainly big. I mean, China gets a quarter of uh, takes a quarter of Iran's oil right now, and um, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Western European countries, particularly Germany, has been so uh, irresponsible in terms of uh, getting itself off of Russian oil and gas. President Bush tried to deal with that in 2002 and couldn't get any answer because the German premier at that time was kind of linked to Russia, Schroeder. Yeah, he he's the guy that pushed that Nord Norse pipeline too. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, what you're talking about is kind of a, a Western world movement to contain Russia right now. Is there the leadership in place in order to make this happen? What has to happen? Well, we need to convince the Western European countries that uh, containing them is the most non-belligerent strategy, economic containment rather than belligerency is a better way to rein in their, their Putin's uh, clearly uh, documented hegemonic ambitions. I mean, he said what he wants to do. He wants to get his old property back. Yeah. And he's starting with Georgia under George Bush and moved over to uh, Crimea under Obama, and now he's moving even far, further. Are there any? Is there any way to, to perhaps draw them into being a friend of the West? In other words, you know, part part of the problem, of course, is how we see Russia, and and I'm not not certain that we've always seen Russia in the most favorable way. It's really not Russia; it's it's Putin, isn't it? That's the problem. Well, we'll see. If we put enough economic pressure on the people, we'll find out if they want to solve their problem or not. They elected him many many times. Yeah. And Medvedev for that brief interlude. So that that's why I come back to. You know, containment is the only strategy to get the people to do what they need to do, like they did under Gorbachev when they had enough. Yeah, so interesting. So, Ambassador, uh, a really interesting column. And just in the meantime, uh, since you've uh, left office in 2021, I guess it was, uh, what's been keeping you uh, busy? Well, I'm, I'm still working with some Latin American think tanks that I worked with when I was, uh, uh, you know, ranking member of the Western Hemisphere Affairs Committee. And uh, and uh, gotten a little more involved with uh, some other other things. Uh, certainly, continuing to work hard on the Everglades restoration and making sure that the projects that we got all that money for get built, don't get are undermined by interests that are adverse to the uh, coastal residents who need the water cleaned up. Well, I must say, I just really appreciate the fact that you went to Washington with uh, some ideas in mind and what you wanted to accomplish. And by gosh, you went right about it and making it happen. So everything from uh, getting the president of the United States to come down and visit to, to uh, you know, or pointing out what the problems are. So just really appreciate the uh, the accomplishments that you had in conference. And uh, and again, if you want to take a look at the, uh, the column, it, it appeared in the Hill and it's called, If Putin Wants a Cold War, the World Should Give Him One. Ambassador uh, Rooney, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thank you again. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Larry Bell. Uh, Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Uh, He's also the author of many books, 
His latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's the author of many books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, a book that he co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed, Professor. Well, uh, also writing a column on point and Newsmax.com is the website. I hope you'll check it out. He writes at least one column a week, sometimes several. Uh, Professor, your latest, if Dems were smart, they would run from Barack Hillary. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, Bob, I think we kind of touched upon this the last time, last week. We talked about uh, maybe the Democrats have a a little bit more than a messaging problem. <laughs> so, you know, when when uh, you know Barack uh, kind of stole the thunder recently, uh, you know, at this event with uh, Joe and uh, and uh, you know he was schmoozing everybody, and Joe kind of looked like a lost soul. And then, uh, of course, Hillary's been out out and about as well, and sort of they're both saying, well. We need to be, be better storytellers, you know. You need to get the message out better. And I think Barack was t- you know, really urging about the Obamacare and, and you know, I think Hillary maybe saw with the infrastructure bill, whatever. But I think maybe it's uh, maybe the problem's a little bit deeper than that. I think uh, the poll numbers are pretty uh, pretty frightening for the Democrats right now going into the midterms. And... Uh, I think maybe Barack's advice hasn't. A lot of people sort of see his, uh, the Biden administration as as really uh, the uh, Obama three already, and uh, not working out real well on a lot of fronts. And uh, maybe it's maybe it's more than simply being better, better storytellers. I think uh, 
to look at a number of issues, and we can, you know, you and I have discussed many of them on, on various occasions, but, you know, there's national security, and then there's, that bleeds off into the, uh, you know, the crime issue, escalating crime, and of course, you have the inflation, and that ties in with energy policies, and, and uh, you know, the concern about what's happening to our, in our schools, and, you know, the FBI uh, being weaponized against parents at school board meetings and so on. I think a lot of this uh, is starting to uh, kind of resonate in a very bad way. Uh, no, no question, Professor. I mean, in, again, when you think about it, I, I, what popped in my mind just now is a, I watched a documentary. Tucker Carlson today has a, it's a show that he does on on uh, the, the, uh, Fox Nation. He interviewed uh, Savannah uh, Hernandez, who's a young woman who has just done a great job. And she does basically uh, interviewing people on the street. And she says, you know, she goes out and she talks to people. And she says, what do you think of uh, uh, President Biden? Yeah, and the response is visceral. I mean, it, uh, we hate him. <laughs> we just don't like. So I think they're in for a rude awakening, quite frankly. I'd like to just back up a little bit and just talk about our domestic energy policy and what's happened right now. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, they 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 have weaponized virtually every uh, department in the in the. Uh, in, in every federal department against energy in some way or another mm -hmm. with the notion that we're going to have, of course, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to convert over to this clean new miracle, this green new miracle. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, something they set out to do. They've, they've accomplished it. And of course, very effectively with, you know, cancellation of the, of the, of the, uh, Excel, He's on, you know, the, the end of the pipeline from Canada and slow walking all the permits or cutting them all together, both for drilling as well as for the pipeline uh, easements and, and rental and, and connections and so on. So, you know, they, they've done everything they, they can possibly do to kill American energy. And, and the worse it gets, the more they say, well, it's double down. We're not doing enough of, of what we're doing. We need to not only kill it, we need to bury it, you mm -hmm. know, and rather than uh, drill it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, of course, triggering the uh, everything, everything that moves really, move, you know, 80% of our energy, of our energy is from uh, hydrocarbons, from fossil fuels. And uh, that's pretty much true globally as well. And the notion we're going to transition off into windmills and sunbeams that produce less than 3% and not feel, you know, uh, you know, tremendous, you can call them gas pains or what you're going to call them, uh, is ludicrous. And, and the whole thing with, with, you think, well, why don't they, instead of you know, keep keeping to pursue the same policies that are so deadly, why do they keep doubling down? And uh, I've got kind of a theory about that i'm thinking i'm hearing that uh maybe bernie is back in the picture again hmm. and with all our all our uh, uh bad uh prognoses for you know biden saying he's maybe planning to run again and they see bernie's shadow i think that they're not only afraid of aoc i think they're afraid of bernie sanders that is so interesting. Uh, you know, he's quite frankly, there's a better alignment, a more of an alignment towards po uh, policy coming out of this administration with Bernie Sanders than I think there is the history of uh, Joe Biden. Uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, it would, it I think, would be refreshing for the American people to actually have a choice of what's real. Bernie Sanders represents going to communism, socialism, uh, state-owned uh, properties, uh, bread lines. I mean, he—that's—that's he, that's his. Uh, that's his story. That's what he's promoting, as opposed to let's have a uh, you know free enterprise, private mar uh, free markets, individual liberty. Uh, we should give the American people a choice. Yeah, I think in in twenty twenty they made a deal with the devil. I think they. Bernie was was making big inroads into 
into their vote count in 2020. And I think they, they made a deal with Bernie and they say, well, okay, if you don't, you know, if you'll get out of the picture and mm-hmm. not uh, shave down our numbers, we'll just adopt your policies. And they did that. You know, they had, they had uh, you know, this coalition and they had AOC and they had uh, John Kerry and they had those others working with the Bernie camp to, to craft out their, their agenda. And, and people say, well, yeah, but they're not that crazy. You know, they'll, They'll make a deal with Bernie, and then they'll, and then they'll, you know, they'll recover their sanity or apply their sanity. And there wasn't any sanity. You no. Know? And and uh, and we're seeing the we're seeing the ramifications of that. And I think that running in the background, we've got a couple of things that I've been watching. I think a lot of people are the, the Durham report's coming out, and it's devastating for Hillary in terms of you know the, the dirt they did on on Trump on the Russian collusion scam and and the claims that he had a, this banking account in Russia and so on. Durham is really going after that stuff. And so we've got all this stuff against, you know, with the Hilton thing, with the Hillary thing bubbling up. And meanwhile, you got Hunter's, you know, Hunter's laptop from hell stuff coming out about Biden family corruption. And so I think they're, they're putting out fire and trying to put out fires all over the place. And and I, I don't think and I think they got a world of hurt. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, but one question I have is: Do you think there's going to be an October surprise? Well, I think you know. I don't. No one, you know, can predict that. But you don't have you don't have the the orange haired guy anymore to surprise. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they they've they've done everything they can. They I think they they spent their last uh, bullet. Uh, you know, maybe there's another, maybe there's another bullet out there, but, uh, I, you know, if there is, I don't see it. I think I'm seeing what you're, what you just described as the whole, the whole country. First of all, say, oh, we're, we're, we're trying to be woke. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, be more civil and more this and that and so on. And, and finally we're sort of saying, well, I'm really getting tired of this stuff, you know? Yeah. I just want to go back to being normal, you know, and. You know, we don't, you know, the, the whole thing that was just kind of concocted with this racism and gender stuff and so on. People, people in this country want to live and let live. And I, I think we, we all recognize the, you know, the, we're, a, you know, we always used to brag about being a melting pot and, you know, a place multicultural and so on. And, and, and we kind of want to get back to, and, and I think Disney's learning this with a vengeance in Florida right now. Isn't that and, terrific? It's and, and people just want, you know, please give us a break. You know, we had COVID, we had the masks, we had we had the school closings. We're 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 we're, we're suffering the inflation right now. You kill the energy. There's no there's no uh, evidence that deflation is going to go away or that crime is going to continue to escalate. You know, defunding the police isn't working real well, and there's, I don't see any issue. They're on the right side of, and I think the polls reflect that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, never their, their creativity is something else. They'll come up with something, I'm sure, but I don't think it's going to be enough to, to salvage what's going on right now because I, everybody has lost their appetite for this agenda right now. And by the way, you brought up you brought up uh, Disney, and I'm just so pleased how rapid the response has been from the legislature, from the governor with regard to this. And uh, quite frankly, the message is, hey, you know, if you don't like it here, get out, <laughs> which is great. Well, I think, it's a, I think it's evidence of something even deeper than that. I think DeSantis has been a leader. Yeah. And I think the country wants leadership again. We've got a guy who shakes hands with invisible people, you know, and... and <laughs> And, you know, we, I think the countries just say, let's, we want an adult, we want leadership, but we want it in our state level, we want it in our communities, we want it in our, in our national level, we want to know who's pulling the strings and who's doing things, we want to know, you know, we want, we want some clarity, I think we want it, we want leadership in Ukraine, we want leadership uh, that seems to be lacking at every level, and, uh, they haven't had, you know, they haven't had Trump to to kick around for a while. And 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 one one thing I think is going to be interesting. Watch watch the the media rats jump from the from the sinking ship. Yeah, I think we're we're seeing more and more of that now. And we're gonna, I think we're gonna see uh, 
a raft of these, you know, these, uh, these uh, flood of people running away from the Democrats right now, including the media. And, and they can't, and they're, they're not going to be able to avoid all these juicy scandals that are coming up against the Democrats. It's so true. You know, there's, you know we saw what happened to was it CNN Plus or whatever, or, uh, whatever it was, and you know they, they they went defunct after a month, and 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 you know Mike Wallace is now toast, and uh, I think we're we're going to see more and more of this where. Where people just crave leadership and sanity. Absolutely. From your lips to God's ear. Again, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and Space Architecture. Latest book, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I always enjoy it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. All right, coming up. Uh, well, actually, that's the end of the show. Uh, we ha have a great uh, guest lined up for Monday, including Rick Morton. Uh, we'll visit with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.